Good evening, gentlemen. There they are. Hello. 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 Are you well? We're all right. I'm all right anyway. <laughs> We're all right. Thank you. You know, I could have had a terrible day and, you know, I've been spoken for. Um, <laughs> Michael and I are doing shite. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Now, I've been reading in the news that Buwan have done a tie-up with a distillery in Colorado. We'll talk about that first. Um, yeah. Explain this to us, Michael. What's, what's going on? Uh, yeah, so um, I suppose this, this all came about. I don't know how familiar you guys are with Talnua Distillery. Um, Talnua, and it probably in a weird way has is tied in with what we're going to be speaking about in a little while with, with, with pot still mash bills. The, the guys are... Talnua Distillery is based in uh, Denver, Colorado, um, in the US, obviously. But um, their passion and their whole interest in whiskey was uh, came about through falling in love with pot still whiskey. Um, I think it, the, 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 the story goes that they they came to Ireland on their honeymoon and um, had Red Breast 12 and decided this is the way the whiskey should be made and more American distilleries should be doing this. And uh, yeah, um, they went back and set up a distillery in Colorado. Um, now, there's lots of barley in Colorado, but yeah. um, which would be similar to ourselves here, but the the climate itself is is very different. Um, now, probably true the fact that they, they make an Irish-style whiskey, uh, Matt Healy uh, of Pot Stills, um, who's a colleague of mine at Boan um, mm -hmm. for his day job. He... Um, he he took interest in what they were doing and, and visited them. Um, the last place it was the last place he was in uh, before uh, COVID, or the last place he got to visit. Um, yeah, and has developed the friendship. They're obviously very passionate whiskey people, very nice uh, nice guys, and um, they uh, yeah they, they became very interested in what we're doing. We're very heavily pot still focused as well, and um, yeah, there's a shared mutual interest. So. Uh, the, the relationship blossomed somewhat and then somewhere down the line um this this project came about what we 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 finally set the, the proper uh wheels in motion of last week where we basically gave them our mash bill so um our pot still mash bill um we we gave them a recipe and they tried to replicate it obviously the distillate will be different the, the stills are slightly different um but yeah. uh, Leaving that aside, they, they 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 took that same mash bill, tried it in their distillery, um, and then put the liquid into cask at the exact same time as we filled uh, casks. So they filled um, they filled uh, eight casks over in in Colorado, and uh, we filled uh, six. But in reality, we filled <laughs> we did six with the Talnua logo on it, but we actually filled about eighteen that day. But um, or more but uh yeah the the idea will be that they've been set aside and they were literally filled the exact same second the guys are on a, a phone call and three two one go um yeah uh, just so that they're <laughs> absolutely are as close to identical as they could be but um yeah it, it'll be it's a fun it's a fun little project that uh we thought was interesting um we thought was interesting um uh, just to see how things will evolve. It, obviously, the, the the raw material, the raw distillate at the beginning will be slightly different, just because yeah. of techniques, um, and that's interesting as such. But um, they will they will grow apart because um, 
Colorado is very high altitude. Um, the humidity is very different to what we have in Ireland. So the climate yeah. is very different. So where our alcohol content actually goes down, our ABV goes down, because of the humidity, their ABV actually ends up higher. Um, yeah. Water evaporates out of the casks slightly high, uh, faster than the alcohol does. Um, or the angel share. Irish angels are more fond of the alcohol and the American angels are more fond of the water or whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> It, yeah, it, it's a it's a fun little project. We put it up on our social media, and it yeah, kind of went mad. We were on CBS this morning. Chaired it. RT News wants to come out and film next week, and but like it's it's brilliant to see that other people and, and Irish whiskey is, is is interesting. These are the kind of things that um that that we we get interested in, but even. We like we geek out, and I don't need to talk. We, the stuff that we find interesting that's happening in whiskey, we didn't think would be as appealing to a broader audience. But um, but yeah, there we go. It 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 it, it got a little bit of attention on both distilleries, which was welcome. Yeah, absolutely. We actually have the clip from CBS. We'll give it a play here for right, you. Table, table, table really truly is whiskey, uh, and a very interesting a experiment. Uh, it's a a deal with an Irish whiskey distiller. Uh, and another distiller in Colorado. Colorado and Ireland have extremely different climates. And what makes the whiskey special in Ireland is that wet climate. Colorado has a high, dry climate. And so the experiment, the experiment is to share the recipe from Ireland and then five years from now, see how that whiskey grown in Colorado is different or not. So the presumption is that the climate shapes the flavor of the whiskey. And now we're going to find out with identical recipes. Give me, give me, give me. We only have to wait five years. Okay. All right. Looking we can do that. that. Looking forward to we're that. We're patient yeah. people. So there you go. Yeah. CBS. Big time. We're in the big time now, Michael. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Todd did a great job of explaining that he probably did a better job than I. But uh, yeah, look, look at that. We, 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 we're going to talk about even a lot or another few interesting projects that we did. Obviously, the big yeah. one that's on it. Um, it, it like I'm, I, I, we, I joined Boan. I've, I've, uh, I'd, I'd like to think I'm very passionate about what I do, and as are the whole family, the whole team mm -hmm. at Boan. And um, this is not the beginning, or, or this is the, this Talnua project is not the beginning of the interesting things we're doing. Certainly not, hopefully, the end of what we're going to be doing. But uh, yeah, it was nice to get a little bit of. Uh, um, recognition, all oh, absolutely all random, but yeah. I mean, uh, you have been experimental. Let's be honest, and uh, we'll bring Fanon in here because the project that he he started. Um, I mean, he started the, on his on his PhD journey, which has sort of caught everybody's imagination. But it's you guys that actually have brought it to life. You know, you you guys that have have, have actually put flesh on the bones if you like and that uh, how did you how did you two guys come together you know how, how did that all pan out michael and myself or myself and mohan but well the, 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 the whole thing um, yeah I'll, I'll let michael take it away well i'd say our, our our paths across very early in my distilling career when i was down in dingle i'd say back in probably late 2012 early 2013 i'd imagine Fnon was probably one of the first people to come um, knocking on the door for a tour. So, um, and I must say, since the very first time uh, I spoke to Fnon, 
it was like from day one I, I got involved in the industry I was um I was enthralled by the whole thing um found it so fascinating so interesting um but any passions you would have had about our or about our about whiskey or particularly pot still whiskey before hearing Fanon speak on the subject yeah it gets taken to a whole new level and so <laughs> I look He's a nice lad, and we, we shared many an evening in Dick Max over the last uh, and other fine establishments over the last few years. And um, yeah, like like I said, most of the most of the conversations have revolved around um, pot still whiskey. Um, even before this um, this thesis was even a, a thought process, and um, mm -hmm. over the years, previously in in Dingle, we we did a we did a couple of I think it was the old band. I did I did the old band in this. Distillate. Um, I did a trial run of it, and just uh, like it's, 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 it's fascinating. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating subject as we'll get into. Um, but yeah, it, it's something. Every time I hear from on uh, talk on the subject, I get more inspired, um, and it, it makes the day job so much more interesting when it's when it's when you have that passion and and you have you yeah. you hear all this history um, to be able to take it in and, and then apply it and actually have something tangible at the end at the end of it is is uh, all the more rewarding. It is. Now, Fanon, you, you must have thought when you were getting the opportunity to, to actually recreate these mash bills. This, I mean, this must have been pretty much like an early Christmas present for you. This must have been a wonderful... Oh, it's a late Christmas present. The previous Christmas was, was botched by COVID. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's happening in, in January. Um, no, no, it was, yeah, it was fantastic. And, you know, I'd, I'd always envisioned something like this i just hadn't you know i was bluffing it to my funding department that you know oh this will have <laughs> huge relevance distillers will take this on blah 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 so if only say face it's glad that there was any interest whatsoever but to have someone actually come on and say no no we'll do it systematically is has been great you know and um yeah no i mean it's it's i'm i'm back in term as of like two days ago uh, you know, with the rest of the the school system, and I'm I'm confronted with you know emails and this and that and and do my, we have some samples? Coming <laughs> board, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, for a very for, to, to 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 do some research of our own, can we get some sample packs <laughs> sent over? Well, it's it, you know you you feel a certain <laughs> kind of like pressure at times with the thesis, but then just looking back at this, and there was so much fun and so much joy out of it you know and, and not just the making of it but you know the making of it the, the kind of the, the the time during which it was made um you know it was a really fun experience i remember you know propping up with michael as, as these were coming off the stills you know nursing them and and matt he'd be popped down once in a while you know and uh, yeah. and looking at them the shock as we bumped up certain grains and you know you would like babes in the woods I think I said at the time, but you know, after a while, it was more like like Hansel and Gretel sweets all over the place, and you know, the um, kind of uh, eating up our own tracks, uh, and um, the uh, we were worried that there wouldn't be enough for the um, the, uh, the the spirits analysis because Michael and I, you know, most of it went into casks. There was bits set aside, uh, and Michael and I were were doing logs every day, kind of comparing. So, well, we've never tried mash one against mash nine against mash. <laughs> Three before, <laughs> you know, when we got to mash, he said, "Well, the classic comparison we've done before is mash three to six, but we've never done mash one versus nine versus three versus six before." Thinking about the other two and just, yeah. just like, well, I think we have we have looked at those spirits in like 
six ways to Sunday, you know, and I think yeah. I've gotten to know them well enough. Um, but yeah, the process of that happening is something that won't be in the thesis that no one else can know about. You know, it was it was a kind of a joy into itself and something I, I totally didn't expect, you know. I can't I can imagine I can imagine the whole excitement just as right, what's this one going to be like? You know, what I mean some of the some of these haven't been made for a very, very, very long time. And so, so was was there a lot of sort of trepidation about making these up because obviously the higher the oak content you know the the, the the thicker it becomes and are you worrying about are we going to damage some machinery you know how how does the process work you know how how, how did you feel about making these up michael um yeah well well that's you, you touched on it there the there's two things that we needed to be um concerned about there's there's mashes like you said that have a high oak content um, the high oak content is a recipe for disaster, and then obviously um, on the flip side, uh, low low malt content. Uh, content. Mm -hmm. So your malt, your malt is your workhorse. Your malt does all the has all the 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 enzymes that breaks everything down. And um, if you're if you're if if you're adding something in, um, the, be it raw oats or whatever, um, it's coming in place of something else. And uh, yeah. I think the lowest mashables had had. Um, had had a malt contents of about thirty percent, which is which is very low. Uh, so there was uh, concerns. Um, there was concerns prior to the the experiment that we'd have just very very low extract. And the it's uh, the last thing like the integrity of this project is obviously very important. It, 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 there, as much as as much as it might feel like, and I, I know that myself and Fanon, if we were being 100% truthful, there's probably things we wanted to find or wanted to prove, but I know that Fanon, well, if I know Fanon, like I think I do, I don't think he would sacrifice his integrity for just to prove an agenda. He wanted to to follow this to... to, to <laughs> <laughs> as we wanted certain mash to come out on top and taste great. We wanted to prove that they could be done, uh, we could be good, they could be done properly. So, uh, to be able to make sure that we could actually brew them out and it wasn't just that, uh, yeah. it wasn't just for that end was important. But then, when you get into brewing oats, oats, when you put hot water into it, many of your listeners or viewers um, probably find out every morning at breakfast when you put hot water in oats, um, it turns into a gloopy, sticky mess. Yeah. Um, I use a micro. So that doesn't happen. <laughs> I know exactly how long to put it on for. Yeah. Well, not all of the, not all of these these things you've come up with are going to be made. They're not all going to be made eventually, are they? Uh, well, they've all been made in a fairly considerable quantity as of now. Um, but but we, what we've proven, what we've proven, what we I think we've proven anyway, we've proven to me, to myself is that first of all. They could they could be could be done. So we were we were warned off. Like we we're a new distillery with fairly new equipment, very new equipment, in fact. And we're still in very close contact with the people who supplied the equipment. We're still in kind of that threshold of like oh that everything is still within warranty. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Is it still within yeah. warranty? It's not for all those warranties yet. come with an asterisk, and one of those asterisks was do not go any higher than ten percent oats, or you're on your own. And mm. Obviously, there's mash bills that are ten percent, fifteen percent, as high as thirty percent oats. Um, but uh, basically, for no one come in and say, "Hold my beer." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah. So, like, no, I was hoping that Fanon was going to come in and go, "Like, I found these recipes, and I also found the, the brewers' notes of how they they broke it down." But 
um, after repeated questioning, there, there was no brewing notes from anybody or none that materialized. But thankfully, we have genuinely a, a, an excellent team of very talented um, talented uh, brewers and distillers uh, behind me. And um, we put our heads together. And, and one in particular, one of the guys in particular, Alex, um, Alex did his uh, final year project and Harry Watt on oats, using oats in pot still mash bills. And ironically enough, inspired by something he had read by Fanon. And, and so it was kind of like the stars aligned. We, we had all attracted to the, to the one spot in, in, in Drada. Um, and then this project, it was probably destined to happen in a sense. So um, we, we, it was nothing revolutionary. We put in a, we put in a, a temperature stand, a beta glucan stand at 40 degrees Celsius for any of your home brewers. That would allow, that allowed the beta glucans to break down, which they would be your sticky mess kind of mm -hmm. stuff if you get it wrong you you create wallpaper paste if you get it right you create the beautiful whiskies that we ended up creating so thankfully um we didn't we didn't mess up our warranty we actually managed to brew and we managed to get quite a healthy yield so um if any if any distillery in this country or anywhere else is interested in uh, the, the whole the genuine purpose of this is that we might not be able to make them all in Boan just from the simple fact of there's there, we actually made over ten. We there's ten in the box set. We actually made more than the ten at the end of it. We we make more inspired by the learnings from it. And and there's also a number of other mash bills or distillate types that we're going to create as well. And we just can't keep as much as I'd love to. Is there a secret second box? Is there a secret second box? Is this like the hidden menu at McDonald's? Uh, there, there probably would have been. Peel a back your box, Justin. You know, peel back. There's a, a trap <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, now, myself and Fanon drank all the rest of the, um, the, the rest of the samples. But uh, yeah, so, but, but the, the idea, the idea of Fanon's project and even, even, um, Look, I, I can leave my commercial interest aside. I, I don't own the distillery. I hope on a personal level that um, other distilleries around the country see this, take our learnings, take even the gift or the, the, the tasting pack and go, Jesus, we have to we have to add wheat into our mash bill. We have to add this, um, yeah. especially now in the in the, the in light of the, the technical file is most likely changing and it will will be it'll be GI compliant to do these mash bills. Um, uh, Manny would have been maybe warned off because of the brewing difficulties, but that can be worked around by the little tricks and little um, nuances there. And then, and then the net result of the unknown of what do they really taste like? We have all of this. We can assume that Roe, George Rowe was making great whiskey. We can assume that um, the, the the different powerhouses of the time were making incredible whiskeys, or why else would they be so popular? But yeah. not too many living examples. But but there's there's examples now in this tasting pack, and so hopefully, genuinely, that is the main thing that more and more of this whiskey and these types of distills will now be produced um, off the back of it, not just by Boan, but by by the broader industry. I genuinely think this is our. our Think, but more more optimistically hope that this is the future and this is the direction that Irish whiskey starts to go in. I think this is where uh, we would see our best success. Absolutely. Uh, now, Fanon, when, when this, the tasting pack came out, I mean, I, I said to you, I mean, I mentioned to, to everybody here that I genuinely thought I was at, the, at that tasting that night. I genuinely thought I was taking part in something important because it's a culmination of... of all, all the aspects of, of 
whiskey that I actually really like. I mean, everybody bangs on these days. They talk about flavour. And flavour's absolutely... A, 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 it's, it's the interaction you have at the end of, of the process. But it's one aspect of a, of a chain of, of, of stuff. You know, you're buying into a story, you're buying into the history, and they actually be at a point where all these old mash bills are suddenly recreated. And it's not... With the best one in the world, I've talked about this before, about the Lazarus brands, you know, the people that pop up, with the, the old names in a new distillery. And they're not actually really producing what the old distilleries did. And that's, that's okay. I mean, people do what they do. But you actually feel as if there's a culmination of the history being brought back and it's the future as well. It's kind of that, that juncture where the old and the new have met. And, and to get to be part of that, I thought, I thought it was a really special event for me. Um, did you feel the same way about that? No, absolutely. And I, I felt, you know, humbled. Well, on that night, I was fairly pissed. But um, <laughs> you were indeed. Yes. You know, um, the um, uh, and then I went on to the Bushmills Causeway tasting, like directly after. <laughs> um, the, um, but um, no, uh, absolutely. I, certainly, when we were doing the the sensory analysis, and you know, we went to a lot of trouble. To explain and and it, to be honest, most of them didn't need that much persuasion, and um, but persuade distillers and blenders that were participating that this was theirs too. It wasn't just about Boan. This isn't a Boan send up. That this is about a moment in the industry and about making this available. And the hope is that. And I'm just starting to get data in now. You know, and now the term is back in session. So little spider graphs are starting to come back from from the guys out uh, in Scotland. And um, it is fascinating to to see, and I think Mike is the only one who's seen those yet, um, because again, they just started coming like yesterday. Um, but and uh, and of course, you know, the first the first reassurance, those notes that went in those boxes, you know, uh, Michael reasonably enough was eager, like I was before the grass came in, to know if what we had written down, like was the opposite of what came back in the grass, <laughs> because you know. <laughs> A shame for one big finding that we're both drunks. Basically, what you're trying to say is we weren't we weren't drunk all that much all the time. Then. Yeah, so uh, you know, it, 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 they weren't unexpected results, but it was. No. It was um, it, the hope is all that can be made available going forward for the industry to look at, to use, and of course that's in one specific setting. That's triple distillation in large bulbous pots. You know, essentially the control was you know heavy pot. Contemporary distillation, um, 60 40, uh, large bulbs still, you know, the, 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 yeah. the reference point. We had two controls. We had 60 40, uh, which is, you know, roughly Middleton heavy pot, and 50 50, the dead even split. Uh, and that's also become, you know, a lot of people's pot still just because it's so obvious 50 50. Um, and um, anyway, looking, you know, everything's been compared against those controls and so forth. And, you know, it's not like the controls don't have flavor, the, you know, the, but they, they lose things and they gain things, you know. Um, and anyway, even before the data started coming in, talking to people in the pub afterwards, uh, at both, we did one sensory analysis in Belfast and one in Dublin to help facilitate travel during COVID and, and so forth and make, make life a bit more manageable. And... Um, but both times, you know, hearing from people afterwards, oh, I'd love to know what Group B 12.A was when, when we're allowed <laughs> to know. I was very interested in that one or this or, or the other. And the hope is that they can go home and 
play with this stuff and and come up with their own you know that and i i had a chat with um uh the inimitable dave broom who was one of the panelists afterwards and he said you know what it felt like being at ground zero of something old and new at the same time you know that there was that intersection of yeah a coming of age of the new industry having the maturity and the integrity and the inclusiveness to come together and do this you know in that kind of setting and then to draw from the well uh, and the hope is that 10 years from now whatever people ran away and did in private for themselves with their own hair-brained ideas hopefully educated or not educated you know i hate using words like educated um but you know inspired by yeah. by what was what was taken led the way led the way living. yeah create create a space and i think yeah. especially the fact that the technical file is in the process of changing really changed the, the mood in the room um and that was great for me because you know ultimately it was about itself yeah. not the not the technical file and to have that swept away you have the space that people could go in knowing that they could go home and you know this is this is all done in a 30 30 30 which was the the when people came to me looking for submissions for the technical file that was always mm -hmm. the answer I, I i gave and the the experiment we didn't push rye up to 30 percent because historically it didn't go up to 30 percent but you know wheats and oats both do and it's within that context that this exists so the only unexplored space really is to max out rye which historically wasn't practice but would work within the the newly put forward idea of up to 30 percent oats wheat or rye yeah uh, the whole thing there's a few people have said that they ordered packs and they haven't come yet um i know i was talking to sally down at boan um during the week and she said they are on their way there's been a there's been a mix up or a problem with the 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 dispatch down there but uh i'll I'll get back onto her, Michael. You can say to her whatever. Um, yeah, if if there if there's a, I see one or two comments of that about that. If there if there is if there is anybody getting any or having issues, make contact with us. Info at boandistillery.ie. Um, if you have any questions about it, that we that we certainly don't want that to be the case. Um, no. so let us know. Let us know. Yeah, and we'll get Mike. When you get these, by the way, I, I the presentation of the whole thing was just. Fab. I mean, it's just amazing. Now, there's ten. There was ten of them, and I, I'll, I'll just go through just a couple of them. Uh, what what happens is you have a card, and it basically tells you a bit of the background and essentially what it is that you are or have in the mash bill. So, number one, ten percent oats, thirty percent malt, sixty percent barley. Um, how, how did you get these phenomena? Now, I, I've heard you being disparaging about yourself a bit. You're a bit like, oh, people No think more. Somebody, I assume Justin has just changed my name from Fanon to Fanon Whiskey Guru. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I wanted to give you a proper title, yeah. so I called you Whiskey Guru. Um, I, I, you know, I used to live in this um, student co-op in, uh, in San Francisco. That had pre previously been home to a cult um, called the Living Love Center. And, <laughs> Sounds good. What, yeah, how do you sign up? How do you sign up? The Living Love Center, and we would still get like letters in the mail from people asking for the next set of tapes, trying uh, <laughs> to like work out what exactly had gone on there. But there was this yeah. room that looked like a dungeon, and it's where the guru had lived. And you had to like put your name in a hat. 
to, um, to, you know, everyone wanted that room. And one term, I got my name totally, I, I never win anything. So I was delighted to like win the guru room and then realized I was sleeping in a dungeon for a semester. <laughs> <laughs> Cold, damn, horrible place. But you know, I've I've had aspirations at, at Guru done before. Usually, usually f that have faltered fairly quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Faltering in and around, like you know, a soapbox on O'Connell Street or something. <laughs> but um, so I feel I've indicated. Yeah, I feel great. Um, these were all summoned. I I commune daily with the great Mashable in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Can, I mean, I, well, people, I, people, people think you look like a Fergal Sharky uh, from the undertones. Uh, you know, yeah, well, heart. Him sing, then they won't think that. Um, the um, what, um, the um, I, I think that's the chin, really, because I got accosted at a stag party maybe a month ago. Uh, we were in Ackle. My cousin got married, and this guy came up to us and said, "You look like Quentin Tarantino," and he was like pissed out of his hole. Um, <laughs> The next thing he said was, why do they keep playing this music? It sounds like what they played in Vichy when the Nazis walk in. Said, what? This is collaborator music. Anyway, <laughs> I love music like that. I love music like that. I, I'm not sure what genre qualifies as like Vichy collaborator music. Um, the, um, but, but anyway, uh, <laughs> Tarantino, and then I went and looked in the mirror and saw, you know, all the family had a kind of ch jutty chin. I think Fergal Sharkey has it as well. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm going to say that guy was that guy was drinking early in the day. <laughs> he he started at a fairly early juncture of that. He had somebody. He had somebody a 63 percent new maker. <laughs> yeah, he, he forgot he put a little touch of water into his new yeah, maker. Yeah. <laughs> now, J. A. Nettleton's 1980s or 1890s survey, right? How how did you how do you find this stuff? Where did you find this kind of thing? Yeah, so Nettleton, I mean Nettleton appears a lot in the thesis. Um, he was the head of the inland the inland revenue laboratory. There's a job head of the inland revenue laboratory, um, in the in the Victorian era and earlier, or I should say Edwardian. And he had two two um books out one in one in eighteen ninety two and one in the nineteen oh six kind of way. Um, the 1906 one is quite well known. It's called the Manufacturer. Of, well, not quite well known. It's 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 known in certain circles. It's called the, the Manufacturer of Plain Spirit. Um, but in the 1890s, he also you know does a, a survey uh, in his in his job capacity, and and he was the head of this part of the revenue for the entirety of of the UK. So he, it's it's about everything. But there is one bit where he talks about Irish pot still, um, and it was interesting because there you have, you know, you can get. Distillers who are talking to the excise, and especially early on, you wonder if they're telling the truth. There's all kinds of <laughs> issues that go on, and uh, people commenting about things that happened before they were around. You know, people in the past talking about the further away past, which can be really unreliable as well, and mm. stuff like that. But Nettleton is a real base rock because he's, you know, in charge and writing a text on practice, and there's no reason to lie because, again, this is just about. He lists five anonymous distilleries, and then he gives rough practice break breakdowns. Now, a lot of those, a lot of those titles are from, you know, I was asked by Boan to to pick titles, and I I could easily, you know, you're in a minefield with all of this stuff because yeah, a lot of the 
you know, a lot of the distilleries that were vocal at the time are brands that still exist. So you're hardly going to call it the like Jemison mash bill or the Tullamore mash bill or whatever. Um, and a lot of mash bills were used by more than one place. They weren't. And what I was trying to guide people away from, because I kept getting people asking me, oh, what was the Monaster Evan mash bill? What was the, you know, the, the Nuns Island mash bill? And uh, what I was saying was, you know, you had more difference by time and by location than you did in the sense of like secret recipe kind of thing. Yeah. And there, there'd be differences, sure, but they hover in, you know, kind of three rough spaces. Um, and what we had to do for the, the you know, the, the actual thesis was create a structure that would allow like decimalized oscillations. So you're, you're looking at everything in 5% or 10% kind of increments. So there's mm -hmm. one or two mashes there that are the same mash, just decimalized in a different direction, you know, to get the two different sides of it. And again, you're, you're dealing with an industry that we're using hundredweight sacks. So there yeah. is vibration already. Um, so, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the names used there are, they're true. They're, they're correct, but they're, they're selective, you know, but yeah. would be, would be one that would be, he's a, him and Samuel Morwood in the 1830s were the two big excise officers that, that wrote about the drink as well as just collected tax. Yeah. And they're both, very, very helpful. Yeah. I, I, I just, uh, whenever you're saying, I was rereading um, E.B. McGuire's Irish Whiskey, which is a, a, a fantastic resource. It's kind of hard to get, but if you get your hands on a copy, anybody's interested. <laughs> there, there's, there's a bit in it I read, I'd, I'd forgot about this, where back in the late 18th century, uh, the whiskey distillers couldn't sell the produce because they had to they had to um, be licensed as a retailer and if you're licensed as a retailer of spirits you also had to provide accommodation which meant then that soldiers could be billeted in your distillery which might have led to some some problems for the distillers yeah. well, I've got McGuire hanging around here somewhere a big ugly green book but I, I there isn't a day in my life that I don't Look at, at old old Evie. Some people have been asking questions. They're asking questions. Have you officially got your doctorate yet? I've, I'm not Dr. O'Connor. I don't intend to be Dr. O'Connor. His Holiness, can't you? I've, I've bypassed the whole thing. Yes. <laughs> the, the revered Dr. O'Connor. <laughs> like mentioned, you know, the, um, lest you burst in flames. You know, uh, doctors, doctors, old hat. No, I haven't. I, I have a year left of of. And so a lot of a lot of what I'm doing now, the kind of jazzy public bit is over, and now it's just words on paper kind of stuff. And there's a lot of that. Um, so um, this this was a fantastic kind of hurrah project that you know in spirit is the end of the thing, but there's there's a lot of actual just graft that's you know yeah. still has to be done. And then I and then I go before a committee and and um, and and make my viva and, and whatnot, but no, 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 not not Doctor O'Connor yet. The BBC uh, sk skipped the gun and uh, and called me Doctor O'Connor on their promotions, uh, which I got a, f a bit of a flacking for. Um, but <laughs> uh, the, um, uh, anyway, no, 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 I'm I'm explicit. I'm very, very much not Doctor O'Connor yet. Listen, some whiskey magnets bound to make a healthy donation to some university in Ireland, and you'll get an honorary one as well as a real one at some point in the future. <laughs> that's a that's a that's a sure bet, that isn't it? Michael, Michael, I reckon you could get in with that because you've done that. You've actually done the donkey work. You know, you you oversaw the. Yeah, well, I'm never, I'm never going to write. I'm never going to 
put the words on a page, uh, putting a few thousand words to paper is not is not what's going to get me to the doctor. So maybe maybe a brown envelope or something might get there. Get, get a ghost, get a ghost Get a ghost. I, I've seen Connor Ryan or someone is calling me calling the pair of us Doc Doc Brown and and Marty McFly. I, I, I feel like that's a probably as close to that's the close to as doc, to be calling a doctor as I'm going to get. <laughs> I can see, you know, like going back to circa 1908, grabbing, you know, Andrew Jemison, you know, <laughs> jocularly and saying, you know, Andrew, it's your parents. We're going back to 1923. <laughs> you can see, you can see like a, one of those, one of those drawings in the Irish Presky Museum yeah. <laughs> fading away. You know, <laughs> it's your kids, Jemmy. They're going to form a single company with power. All those, all those limited edition Jamesons with the, the picture just fading, sort of sliding off the thing. <laughs> now, I've, I've poured two of these, okay? So I poured two of these. I poured the Nettleton, which is 10% oats, and the Number five, this one, which is 30% oats, okay, for a little comparison. And the oats make a total, I mean, the, the oats are a total game changer and not in the way you would think. Uh, they, they they dance about and it gives a real sweetness that you don't necessarily expect oats to do. Um it's a, it's a strawberry sweetness, you know, it's a, a sort of light fruit. That then once you get to a certain point, it disappears again. It goes a bit all over, and it, it's it's the most interesting out of all of them. I think is is what way the oats works. But Michael, what, what way did you see that? Well, for me anyway, what's what was and I think Phenom might uh, somewhat agree with me when we when we were leading into the to the the project. Um, we probably we probably preconceived expectations of um, what certain certain grains and how they would impact, um, but we also probably had the perception that if you added if you add if you added in oats, you would add in a certain characteristic, and then the yeah. more oats you added in, the more of that characteristic you would you would, would come through, and then and then alternatively, when you added wheat, you get something different. But it wasn't as simplistic as. When you added oats, you got this flavor profile per se. It was yeah. the relationship between the oats and 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 what the the rest of the mash bill was made up of. So, um, like you, you you for oats in particular, you got like this artificial sugar kind of sweetness element. Yeah. When in relation to what then? So so when when you had oats with high with high. Um, high malt content it was um a more classical straightforward like a, maybe a, a fruit like sweetness but when you when you when you put in high barley content then your higher your barley content tend to give more of your classical pot still spices or that kind of thing and so in combination with high oats that turned yeah. into kind of a, a kind of a, a, a like a sugar dusting like a like those the refresher sweets those um yeah. like citrus citrus sweetness kind of a it, and Fanon has even more colorful. I'm looking at his tasting notes, floor polish and uh, uh, 
Chinese food mixed with <laughs> uh, wedding cake and all kinds of different ah. things. It wasn't, it, 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 it actually, it, it made a lot of sense. My other half is obviously it's a gin distiller and I put together recipes and, and you'd hear people talk often about like, oh, we added, we added in whatever, lemons, and it gave a lemon flavor into our gin. And then we added uh, uh, the citrus element. When you're making a gin, when you're making a gin recipe, it isn't necessarily that you add in this ingredient and then it adds this flavor per profile per se. Uh, a big one would be citrus. It's not per se that you would add lemon to add citrus flavor. The, yeah. the citrus flavor profile in a gin is largely dictated not just by the citrus element itself, but the relationship between your coriander and your... Um, your juniper, the more coriander yeah. to juniper, the more the citrus will present itself. And then the sweetness of that citrus will be dictated to by the cinnamon. If you have more cinnamon or some kind of a sweetener like that, the, the citrus tends to be more like maybe a, a lemon or an orange sweetness, whereas yeah. if less of that sweetness from cinnamon, it can be a more bitter like grapefruit sweetness. So it, it's kind yeah. of like that relationship to not to go off on a tangent, when you come back to the vintage mash bills, it wasn't necessarily, oh, we put in oats and it tasted of lemons or it tasted of whatever it was yeah. that it, it it you could see you could 100 see patterns develop but it was patterns of relationship between high oats and high barley versus high oats and high malt and and oats and wheat uh, and that was the thing that became most fascinating and, and that was what ended up myself and Fanon probably consuming far more of the raw spirit that we maybe intended on because it wasn't just like oh you can taste what does this one that we add oats taste of it's like hold on a second this is going in a direction and then you're you're looking at the oats but then you're realizing that the the malt and the barley relationship is flipped and it's completely changed the influence that the oats has had it's it's a characteristic but a different character when the, the rest of the ingredients are changed as well should you be drinking these or should you be buying one of these boxes to collect for posterity as well michael um uh, like the, the, well for anybody that's interested there's still there's still a couple of packs left um there's still a couple of packs left so you can do both uh i i'm very much in the business of um I'm very much in the business of making these liquids and making liquids to be drank and to consumed. I think you've talked, Martin has touched on it. The, the quality of the pack and the presentation of the pack is top notch. There's been no expense there. Oh, absolutely. It's translated into the final cost, but we don't really make any money at all off this um, gift pack. It's just that the miniature bottles themselves, the labels, the pack itself costs a good bit. It, it's worth the money on that level. It's, like you said yourself, Martin and Fanon, it was, it's a, I hope it is a momentous part of Irish whiskey culture uh, and the Irish whiskey industry. And so moving forward that we might be looking at this as a seminal moment in, oh, this is the formation of what will become a great mash bill for X, Y, and Z distillery. And, and yeah. that it would be nice to have a pack. I'm going to hold on to a pack myself um, so that I can always dip back into it. But Certainly, first and foremost, I would recommend get your hands on it and taste it. It's it's been a fascinating experience for myself, leaving aside the whole production aspect um, and the, the professional aspect. The actual tasting, the differences and and the nuances um, has been very enjoyable and well worth any hundred euro, hundred pounds or hundred euros or whatever it was that the pack cost. It's um it's, it's well worth cracking open. I, I genuinely, and I've, I've said, I've said it again, I'll repeat myself that it was to me something really important because it, it touches on everything that I like about whiskey. That it's the history, 
It's the heritage. It's the backstory. You know, that's the, the the tasting and the presentation and stuff is one thing. But I mean, you can there's every that there's a nice bottle. It's quite nice a design, but it's not the design. All of that touches on stuff, and it's something that's looking forward as well. It's looking back, but it's looking forward because some of these will be picked up, and maybe Boan will do that do that one for uh, and on and on and on. Other distilleries might pick up, but some of them won't be made commercially again, I don't think. You know, just for commercial reasons, they probably won't. And it's maybe the only chance you'll ever really get to taste that mash bill. On, on a commercial on a commercial level. On a commercial unless you make it yourself, obviously. Yeah, I, I, but even, even like what I can say is that they'll obviously they'll obviously I've I bought I've I bought I bought a cask of each of the ten mashables to ensure that like the the mashables are open. Though I uh, I won't be able to get a mortgage for a house, um, but I, I'll, have, <laughs> I'll have an example of ten of the best mashables that've been distilled in a hundred years. Um, so you'll you'll get a chance maybe in a few years time to taste them. I'll make sure of that, but never again with the raw spirits. Once there was five hundred packs, I can't remember how many of them left. Um, uh, I I guarantee. Well, if you've any interest in pots of whiskey, if you share similar interests to myself of, 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 of something this like something that has so much of the history of what's gone yeah. before, um, and the quality is there as well. And I know some but, people might be daunted by the fact that the new make spirit, um, but the quality of our new make spirit is second to none. The the the, the nanotechnology stills, not to get it, go on a tangent, the quality the distillate is as clean as a finished whiskey it's um you're not going to you're not going to have a problem i don't think i certainly don't think i think the quality of the distillate is, is um superb so you will uh, enjoy the pack and i would encourage anyone to take the opportunity hopefully any bugs in the system like i said earlier if you're having problems with the website or having problems getting packs delivered to us or to you just let us know we will yeah. try our level best to get that sorted as quick as possible now uh, there was a couple of these these are bottled at 63%. And they're, uh, uh, Michael, as you said, some of these, you could drink these straight at 63%. I'm not, not doubt. <laughs> It'd be a very early night with these, to be quite honest, if these were in a bottle. Um, because they're absolutely dead easy to drink. Now, how are you, how are you finishing these? How are these being finished? Um, so, so the, 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 there was four cast types selected, um, bourbon, um, bourbon, Port, uh, sherry, and neoc. So uh, bourbon, bourbon just kind of bourbon wouldn't maybe have been used as much at the time of when many of these are produced, but obviously is the most commonly used at the moment. But it's it's probably obviously one that it allows the the distillate itself shine forward most, as opposed to adulterating it too much with um, the influences of fortified wines or something can can maybe mask them. So that's why we chose um, bourbon, port. And sherry, or sorry, not port and sherry, rum, I should say, sorry, rum and sherry um, were some, some of the more common cast types that would have been used at the time. So uh, the idea would be down down the line, these distillates will actually get to taste something very similar to, to what would have actually been produced 100 or so yeah. years ago because these casks or these whiskies would have been put into sherry casks and rum casks. And then um, that being the past, the, the future, um uh taking closer to future is these neoc new era of oak is uh it's it's um 
it's a somewhat new uh, uh, concept of basically that it's a uh, using French wine casks and then they're, sha they're shaved down the inside of the casks um, until you get a mix of new oak and um, with a little bit of the residual um, character. So it's a somewhat new concept. So to, to add that little element. So they were split between those four cast types. Um, and then largely oh, the vast majority were, were made available to general public and are so are in the hands of, um, of, of, of the broader general public. Like I said, um, bar owners, ordinary Joe soaps uh, and so on. So, um, most of the, how they'll actually be released down the line, um, will actually come down to what certain individuals do. And some may, some might never see the light of day just because they've gone into private collectors and, and they will be just, um, consumed behind closed doors. So yeah. Like I said, I, 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 I wanted to make sure that this wasn't the last I saw of these distances. So yeah. I, I put the life, life savings and, and the father's pension plan and uh, uh, my, my friendly uncle to, to get I, my hands in a couple. I, th I think you'll be doing okay. I think everything will, I think in the long term you'll work out all right for that. Uh, well, yeah. The worst is that it'll probably be, it'd be myself, and myself and Fanon will probably drink the absolute. <laughs> <laughs> Can I can I can I come down a wee run? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll get a run. I'll get the bus. I'll get the bus to drive in it. Yeah, it'll be enough to go around. Good man. <laughs> now, Fanon, you have had the, all this experience now. You've you've done the, the 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 theory. You've done the practical. You've went before your board. What, what are you doing next? Uh, a lot of stuff that won't end up on podcasts um, yeah, uh, you know unless you'd like to do an episode on the difference between the harvard style of citation and the mla system of citation and how footnotes can be properly fitted to you know right, we'll just we'll just cut away there with cut the <laughs> but um no a lot of a lot of it's now less what and more why so for instance an example so you brought up something that comes from mcguire the the, the whole idea about a uh, a tavern keeper's license versus a retailer's license versus a distiller's license yeah Actually, that that does come up in the thesis as to why one of the arguments um made in the thesis is that you know the the story we tell ourselves there was 1661 and there was either whiskey or putching and i've made the argument that it didn't happen like that it was quite muddy like for instance, yeah. um, you know, estates, big houses had stills attached to them, and that was permissible until 1760. And then from 1760 to 1779, it was phased out. You had all these ambiguous spaces. You had pubs that could have a still, but then that's phased out. And all this, it was a much muddy making yeah. home distilling illegal was a much longer, more drawn out, more awkward process than you'd think. And you had all these exceptions of like, can you be an innkeeper and make whiskey to sell? And, and, and you know, at the time when you illegalize, you know, moonshine, you have the public and saying, well, I'm a legitimate, you know, citizen. I pay my taxes. I'm a, I have a legitimate practice here. This is my job. You know, why, why on earth should I be lumped in with these guys, you know, hiding behind a bush? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, or, or, or hiding or hiding in the cellars of the big houses. Or, because yeah, yeah. The, because the guy, but, but most people don't appreciate They talk about moonshine and, or poaching and stuff. They think about all these guys hiding in little caves and below hedges and boys lighting fires and all that nonsense. That actually, it was the big houses. The guys yeah, who were making the stills. Yeah, absolutely. Running the stills for the big house. 
whenever whenever his lordship went to bed, they fired the still up and were pump, pumping out. And lots of the times, the lord the lords knew about this. The guys, the landowners knew about this, but they thought, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's unique, you know. Um, I remember finding a parliamentary argument from the 1840s, and they're talking about illicit distilling, and actually, they're, they're talking about Ulster specifically. And they say that a lot of the landed gentry have taken to cellaring the stuff as along with the wine. You know, they're literally bringing it out to guests. <laughs> kind of like, oh, there's a, you know, this is a very fine in a show in 1850, and I don't usually draw from this, you know. But, um, as it's yourself, you know, we can only <laughs> Oh, yeah, this, this is from our draft. <laughs> and, and um so yeah it was it was fascinating just the like sheer hypocrisy and the like yeah. the whole thing and of course you know if you were a landlord you were probably the judge as well um you know or if you were a judge you were probably a landlord so you know you have this yeah. this blind eye system but even even before that period that's really the like 1700s and 1800s even in the 1600s there is this like awkward what does it mean to be a distiller and uh, I could I could do a whole episode droning on about like the difference between knowing how to distill and being like equipped in the eyes of the revenue to start up a distillery and be a distiller officially. <laughs> and a lot of things that happen to uh, make that work are still with us today. So, for instance, there used to be this third industry called sugar bakers, mm. and there were brewers who would make a wash and bring it to the distillery and get it turned into whiskey. And because you had this ambiguity about where anything was coming from, it was cracked down and said, you can't be doing that anymore. And so you get this sundering of relations between brewing and distilling, which used to be quite close friends. And then suddenly the brewers and the distillers don't get along for the rest of history. And you know, Arthur Guinness despised whiskey, you know, tried to make life difficult for them. But then also up to this day, the reason you can't brew on, or you can't brew off site for distilleries is in terms of the legislation, its pedigree goes right back to that, you know, and it was it was to, to stop this like scratch my back guy showing up with you know <laughs> tanks of wash saying like look you know that that that'll get it get get a bit of that into the stills um, and so all these things that shaped the modern industry that are much older and in many cases much more arbitrary than we believe. So there's a lot more of that stuff happening in the thesis now. These kinds of trying to make those arguments about how and why these recipes it's not no longer what were the recipes it's it's the details and the arguments you know is yeah. is, is is the thing going forward right michael boan are uh, tying up they're doing this experimental stuff they're doing these you know across across continent con intercontinental <laughs> whiskey experiments and, and but your bread and butter what are what do you have out every day? Because we've got lots of people in the States that might not know Boan or they have a chance to get Boan. So what, what are you doing over there? Or what are you doing here? Uh, yeah, well, well, well we're, we're flat out. We're 24-7 in production. Um, we're 24-7 in production of pot still whiskey. Um, <coughs> and and our, our, mash bill, our mash bill consists of oats and rye. No, our house mash bill, that is... Um, Malted on malted barley, oats and rye, no wheat in the house mash, but we continue to experiment. Um, we'll, we, we experiment, we've, beyond, beyond, we have a very, there was no expense spared, in fairness, in the installation of the distillery. Um, it's a lot of the reason why I wanted to come up and get my hands on it and, and get working there. Um, so it gives a lot of freedom on the brew house side of things. 
um, and a lot of freedom, a lot of experimentation abilities on the um, on the distillation end. We'll have we'd all of which would would deserve their own podcast and will come out in time. Um, but uh, we also then have uh, the Whistler range. Whistler range, you see samples of empty bottles, savage, <laughs> savage stuff. Uh, case in point, all that, yeah. Uh, the stuff we have pints so we have um a full a full range of of, of source whiskies um obviously because we're, we're less than three years at, the, at that moment so uh yeah. we, we we play around a bit it was it was part of the role that i i knew that i was going to have to take up before i joined the company and i didn't think i i wasn't particularly enthused i couldn't wait to get my hands on the brew kit i couldn't wait to get my hands on the stills and their they've uh, reflux coils and they've uh, it, I, I think I've done I've done plenty of podcasts on the it's savage the the potential that I have and the guys have for a brew house and distillation but the the second end of my job or the second part of my job being head distiller but head blender uh, yeah. and maybe other pro- people's distillates I didn't think I was going to enjoy but I've actually loved it um we 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 source distillates now from six six or seven other distilleries within those distilleries then they'll have different distillates so you, we've um malt grain and a little bit of pot still but um in fairness the the um the the whistler range is is, is almost entirely um, malt and, and grain but i've actually loved it i i i did this idea of um taking a distillate that another distiller has uh, distilled and, and put into cask and had a certain probably notion in his head or a direction they wanted to go and then um Taking it and flipping it on its head, or or taking something that uh, that lovely tropical um, kind of characteristic you get from Cooley, and uh, and yeah. then taking and adding maybe a little bit of depth of spice from from something out of uh, West Cork, or or adding um, or taking we we've a nice bit of uh, the Middleton grain from their new columns there. Um, got some of their earlier stuff. I think it's nearly seven years old now, and taking that and blended. It it's it's been a fascinating process. Um, Loved it. I uh, actually loved it. Like I'm, I'm, act- I'm, I'm currently drinking our our newest release, our next release, which will be our our batch two of our Imperial Stout. Um, it's one of the it's one of the whiskies. I'm uh, the the batch one was one of the whiskies. I'm actually for all the the achievements um, I had with Dingle and all the releases. Obviously, I distilled every drop, matured, oversaw the maturation of every drop with the Dingle. I, I'm I can say I'm every bit as proud of. The, the the imperial stout and I didn't distill a drop of it. it it's a combination of um, four distillates from uh, three different distilleries um, matured in in our own um, but our cask but like it took we took different distillates and blended them together it, it's been a it's a very enjoyable product uh, yeah. and um, I, I think one of the most important parts of it is that it's very reasonable priced um, it's all the bottles I think are no more than kind of your 50 euro range so the whiskey yeah um, give it a try if you haven't already. But um, and we make a bit of gin then as well. We've silks and copper clouds soon to be released on the Irish market. In fact, I think it's kind of just making its way onto the Irish market now for anybody that's um, occasionally dabbles on a, on a bit of gin as well. So um, it's very exciting. It's a very exciting distillery. It's in my humble yeah. opinion the most exciting um, distillery in the country. It's what it's what draw me. It drew me from. My home in Dingle, up to up to Drada, uh, a couple of hundred miles away, to to be part yeah. of it. It's it's it's. Um, I I had no intention of moving away from Dingle, and then um, 
and then I stepped foot inside those doors and I saw the potential and I saw the ambition and I saw the um the, the yeah the, the the aspirations that the, the Cooney family have and and the team that they started to put together and we've even built on I think Fanon would echo that like all the lads like um for anyone I don't want to start naming but it's a small team but it's a, it's an excellent team the, the, the guys that we have there um the guys that we have there it's 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 um it's very exciting to be part mm. of it. we've had a couple of questions in uh connor ryan is saying uh the whistler whiskey range is fantastic we'd love to see a return of the blue note at some stage and uh connor is saying uh our middleton free with their grain uh thought they were fairly niggardy with anything outside legacy contracts uh yeah so there's two things there so um the the blue note the blue note was something that was uh, uh it was kind of a one-off uh one-off that was done several years ago and they just laid down a heap of stock and so even the, in the blue note it kind of like evolved as did this the 10 the 10 and uh, there's a cast strength it certainly it, it, it remained in cask and was pulled from the casks as they did as they needed it for a release of stock but then there was no continuation stock put in behind and then of course that's the problem with with anything within the whistler range or source whiskies um it, something works and you go back and you go we, we'll have more of that then and it's like well no you won't I, I, so it's hard but we are actually the, the thing was that the seven was actually over two years in cask before, obviously in our own warehouses before it was released, um, at least two years. And then, so we're, we're now trying to build the raw ingredient to then and to lay it down to have it in a couple of years time. Um, the Middleton grain, like I said, it was, we bought it as raw spirit. So the, it was actually some of the first spirit that came off the new Middleton I don't know if there's an non-disclosure. I don't know if I'm meant to be saying this, but. Don't sue me. Sue Pat Cooney. He's more money. Than um, uh, the, yeah, it was some of the original stuff that came off. So we got loads of it. There's, there's an endless supply of, of, uh, of, of mature, now mature stock that was bought long before I joined the company. Um, uh, out. And we had another really good question is uh, bourbon uh, wasn't used at the time uh, of these mass bills. How is it expected that they will impact on the end product compared to the original booze? Um, yeah, well, well, yeah, that's true. The, 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 bar, the bourbon, bourbon wasn't as common, but it, it's, it's, it's not necessarily we're trying to exactly not certainly in the case of bourbon maturation to directly replicate anything anyway um it's just we felt it important to put it into bourbon because um down the line something could have the the nettleton there you spoke number one beautiful example actually one of my favorites from the it's range the number one there um and it turns up after 10 years maturation it's this beautiful lively uh, dark fruits and spices and so on and you're like oh my god the net little mash bill did this and then someone could turn around and go hold on no. the Oloroso sherry cask added all this flavor um, where the bourbon allows us it's um bourbon obviously will have has an influence um a mellowing influence but it also adds in your kind of vanillins and your 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 kind of uh softer wood notes that, that you come to expect from the, the bourbon cask influence um which will probably allow the distillate itself shine through more so than the other cask examples um 
so it, it may be not as true to the 150 years ago or 50 years ago even, but um, it will maybe be more true to the actual distance themselves. And it's, you know, and, again, I have I had nothing to do with the cast sales. I had to step back entirely to, you know. You know, you're not stumbling up the money for that. I thought you student guys had loads of money these days. I mean, I, you know, <laughs> rolling as I am in cash, you know, the... Um, uh, Being your guru status. <laughs> the, uh, actually, I had a conversation. So um, the lovely John Teeling, uh, who deserves a lot of praise for this, um, has lent me a huge archive that he's come into um, and I'm going up to Dundalk next week to fetch it and we're going up with a van and he said don't take a sports car and I was telling him John you know we don't have the same livelihoods you know I, I'm more likely to get a hold of a donkey and cart than I am you know a sports car <laughs> um, I can lend you a sports car, car if you need one <laughs> well, Justin is one Justin is a student, sports student car. funding is not what it was you know the um, <laughs> but um, and, but anyway, I, I wasn't connected to that, but just to touch base with that, because I know just to preempt anyone being curious or upset with you, Michael, it, it should be said that the, the bourbon ones weren't for sale. So nobody got nobody got not told about the bourbon ones. Um, uh, they were largely a sounding board. As, so the ones that were sold were the historical castle, and the bourbons were essentially a sounding board to, to verify kind of more rigorously as they get older, that these mashes left with a kind of a more minimal impact do what they say they're going to do. You know, so they're, I mean, they're mostly in the possession of Michael, it seems. <laughs> they, uh, but again, they were, they were, they were not part of the official heritage project. So they're, they're there more for academic reasons that some of them had to go into bourbon. Um, because we're, we're looking at seeing not only what the past was and the romantic part, but also tracking the distillate as as neutrally, I don't want to be unfair to bourbon, but you know, as as unob unobtrusively as 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 we we can okay make. okay linking on to that, but there's bound to be one of the mash bills that genuinely surprised you, either as a highlight or a disappointment. Uh, James Moore and Moira Doherty are asking that. Well, from well, okay, from from me personally, I. I and I don't. I, I I know I would say this anyway. But there there was there was no um there was no disappointing match. But I think all all ten were actually incredible, incredible and very good. Um and and to back onto that, I was expecting I was expecting that we would get very low yields off some of the match which we didn't. Um, I like. Okay, there were some that were lower yielding, but uh, all of them yielded within. When we're talking about a 15, 15, 1500 LPA being kind of a maximum kind of expected yield from a batch, everything was was within touching distance of about a hundred LPA of that. So that's that's very much not by no stretch of imagination a disaster from a, a yield point of view. And then um, uh, from a flavor profile point of view, nothing had. Uh, a negative impact at all. Um, the one, the one surprising, uh, I won't say mash bill. The one surprising influence was probably the the oats itself, in that it was uh, the oats uh, was like an artificial sugar dusting kind of an element, as opposed to being. Very I thought strange. it might be. I thought it might be big and meaty and oatmeal stout. Yeah. Preempting question, I went and poured an oatmeal. I, I was envious, growing envious looking at Marty's. Um, 
Guinness on the table there. Um, the, uh, and I, I, uh, I went and got an, a white hag oatmeal stout um, because that's what I, I expected oats to taste like in the whiskey, oatmeal stout. It's the only reference I knew. Big, beefy, you know, um, shit your britches stout. Um, the, um, but... Um, uh, yeah, there's a lot of mythology around there around what stout does. Um, <laughs> um, you, please don't tell me you've experimented on that. Please don't tell me the data on it. I don't see Marty with a Guinness, so I, I assume there's a, <laughs> a toilet in that room. Um, the, um, but um, anyway, you know, what, what happened wasn't that. It was this weird, and I can say this now with renewed confidence now that the bloody stats are coming in. Because, you know, like, for instance, that MASH 1 you had, I think, uh, you know, the notes, which, again, I was, I was asked to, to write and which were drawn from... The conversations I had with Michael. So my arse on the line first and then his slightly behind. Um no problem. Um the uh but um uh one of the things written there was you know let it be remembered this was musty at birth uh for, for Mashpa number one and mustiness was a characteristic and thank hell you know it, it, it does come out in the graph as as musty in fact I think I remember correctly, it is the second mustiest after after the heavy weeder. Um, so you know it, it it does have a must, but then what's 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 amazing about that mashable number one is it also smells like vanilla and nectar, and as you were saying, the strawberry thing, that weird, like yeah, you know, and how it manages to be both at the same time. And it also, you know, when the when the results were coming back, you know, was scoring highest for vanilla. You know, and how do you manage to be both the mustiest and the vanilla, the vanilliest at the at the same time? You know, and these strange combinations of must and you know the, the spice and and mouthfeel and all we associate with pasta, but also these again these these bulges that are coming out and oats. The big shock, for, the, the two big shocks for me were one that oats was sweet, and mm -hmm. um, and two that it was less about as Michael was saying earlier, it was less. A, about how much of an adjunct we put in rather than ratios. You know, are you taking that yeah. adjunct of malt? Are you taking that out of raw barley? If there's more than one adjunct, are you taking the wheat out of the oats or whatever? You know, every, everything loses something. You know, if you add 10% oats to 50-50, it's going to come out of either the malt or the raw barley. Something's going down yeah. at the same time. And uh, that, so that, that mash bill number one is two things at once. It is both... 10% oats and the highest raw barley portion in the whole set, you know, it's 60% raw barley. And there's a number of others that are 30% malt and yeah. as low as malt is allowed to get. And, and that was another big um, startling feature for, for I think both of us from our conversations uh, during the logs was, was we came into it wide eyed about oats and wheat and rye and the stuff that wasn't allowed, especially when we were going over, you know, over the 5%. And then brought back, wow, raw barley really is cool and important yeah. and strange in its own right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who have gotten into pot still as distillers have come in with this like bunk assumption that a quality pot still ought to have high malt content. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's almost like an apology to single malt. And then you look at like, yeah, it's really ticking the boxes for me with a high mash, high oats, or sorry, um, High raw barley mashes with adjuncts, you know, um, 
definitely, you know, Mash One was a was a was a darling for me. Yeah. Um, and um, and Mash Two, which only had which is the only one that's GI compliant, but fifty I five percent raw barley, and still, you know, that you have these, and I don't know if it's preconditioning from drinking Middleton enough to want those flavors, but again, like all this stuff is, it's modeled off of a kind of a heavy, heavy style Middleton premise. You know, three large bulbous stills, um, no light and faints in between. You know, cutting around, you know, back cut around seventy eight. And um, so we were, we were taking the, that the control as the contemporary pot still mash bill, which, you know, just by default is Middleton, but also 50-50 to acknowledge all the rest of them. So there were two controls uh, and 50-50 as the kind of mathematical control. Um, but I found myself, you know, really loving mashes that were close to, to, to that control, but with something else thrown into the mix, you know, but high enough that you had enough enough space for raw barley versus that 30% oats is not just 30% oats. It's 30% malt, 40% raw barley, 30% oats. So they have the same amount of malt as each other, yeah. but raw barley has come down 20% just as the oats have gone, gone up 20%. And, you know, what have you lost and what have you gained kind of thing, you know? And um, so we've had to put them in the, in the, the graphs that go into the thesis subgroups based on changing one variable at a time, you know, give, take, take, give, Kind of, <laughs> um, because when I look at them, uh, and, and I know Michael's seen the graph of them all on top of each other, all twelve. So the ten mash bills and then the two controls, and it just looks like a you know you'd you'd end up as like Doc from Back to the Future trying to connect. <laughs> and, and since that since that mash has come in, let me see if I can, you know, M M Michael, don't ask answer any trade secrets here but it says here oh, there's no trade secrets it was all um all all that distillers so we we inter we intersect the i believe good relationship with um an agronomist from uh from glambia his name is david cooney uh we only found out subsequently after dealing with him for about eight months that he was actually a cousin of the Coonies. Um, but <laughs> that, that's the... the I'm No wonder you're working with Glenn B. My God, I'm sorry. It's all, it's all, it's all, it's all distilling, mall, or distilling barley that, that would otherwise be going to the maltings that, that we just, we just pull a truck. Um, so the, so the, the, so the barley, but the barley and the malt, the barley and the malt would be, um, would be a combination of, of several farmers uh, each a minimum of a dozen farms we combine together in in the dry houses or even further again inside the malt houses so that you get a nice consistency so uh, consistency is the most important thing is or is one of the most important things for the whole project but for the, for a distiller in general um so we don't want your diastatic power higher in one brew over another we don't want higher or lower proteins in one or the other because we got from one farm or another um so on the barley and the, the malted and unmalted um they came from uh they came from the same sources um for the project um which would have been made up of combination of several farmers the oats wheat and rye were from uh, the farms of james lochran and, and connor McKeown. Uh, so they've been used in smaller quantities just single farms but uh, those single farms were able to produce enough grain to provide for the whole project there's there's not too much unlike the barley there's not as much um oats grown for for brewing and distilling here in the country or, or wheat or rye so um fortunately for us there was there was guys that had 
for for whatever reason decided to the, the guys in Lochran's, the Lochran, James Lochran, they, they have their own um brew store. So they supply a lot of craft breweries in Ireland. They're trying to get into that business. They're trying to cut out the middleman and, and go straight to your brewers and distillers. And last year they or well the year before now, um they, they planted a load of oats <laughs> in the hope that they'd be able to sell it to someone. And uh then I was Fanon approached me and was like, Jesus, <laughs> where am I going to get all this oats? And uh, it was scary. It was twenty miles down the road. Uh, waiting. Um, so, uh, so you, see, you see, you see how Fanon's prescient. He, he knows that this is going to happen. You know that this is scary status. Tagline: Whiskey Guru. <laughs> Nothing, you know. They, yeah, yeah, that's it. He must. You must be some because, in fairness, the, the star the stars aligned in so many different levels uh, for it. Like the, the, ah, the, yeah. box sets have been sent out to all the faithful. Now. <laughs> You will ascend with me. <laughs> There's only 500 of us. Kool-Aid uh, <laughs> <laughs> flavor. <laughs> oh, boy. No, right, boy. I, I, I want to just say <clears throat> this is probably my favorite one. Um, number six. Number six is 15% oats, 15% wheat, 30% malt, and 40% barley. And it is, it's just, it's got, it's kind of got everything dancing about. And it, you, you could sit with this for a very, very, very long time and go, oh, oh no, it's, it's, it's quite sweet. But no, it's more baked. And, and it just seems to just move about and develop. And I know that's because it's, the raw spirit and this new make spirit, so it's kind of it's kind of got that it hasn't settled down, but it's just kind of got all of this going on, and it could be it can be just be molded in different ways, hidden you know, aged and moved forward. Well, I, do, one I of, just one of the things that I learned myself on a personal level from it is the like what Fanon touched on about the barley, the the like it. it out of all of the out of all the grains that we used, it was mad. The one that I fell most in love with out of the back end of it was probably unmalted barley, and the mm-hmm. influence that that really created that probably unsurprisingly, if you really think about it, created that um, that real backbone of that your pot still spices and your and your viscosity that that is that's what I think of when I think of pot still whiskey. But when you had this is where we talk about relationships. When you have more than ten percent more of unmalted barley versus malted barley you got that yeah. formation of those pot still spices that you could then layer on and in this mash bill i think am i right in saying it's 10 it's um what is it uh 30 malt and 40 percent barley so you've that 10 percent gap between the two so you get those yeah. spices and then you're bi- building on the flavor profile and how that flavor profile presents itself you get the sweetness from the oats but in combination with the bar the the the, the wheat added this kind of a bready characteristic and also a creaminess and 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 it, it there's like a buttered bread element to the wheat when combined with the oats and uh, and no, that is a that's one it's been it's fascinating but it's that relationship it's that it's how they interact with each other as much as it's, as it's like one of those it's like one of those baked loaves that's get mm. uh, it's like a cinnamon loaf with chili on the top of it or something it's just yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, like, in fact, there was one one respondent who, um, and he knows who he is, 
because um, again, the, the responses were 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 anonymous, but somebody somebody told me they had said something, and then, <laughs> anyway, um, the um, uh, and it, you know he's he's quite 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 forthright about not not having a problem being quoted, um, but he said you know do you drop chili peppers in the mash bill, um, and uh, again there's a weird with the weeders you know the weeded ones. And, I, and you look at the three adjuncts, right? Oats, nobody outside of like novelty projects in global whiskey uses oats. Uh, wheat exists in bourbon and, you know, like wheat and yeah. bourbon exists as a thing, rye even more so, you know. And so I, I found myself talking to a lot of Americans all the time and American distillers. And one guy I found really helpful was, um, well, two people. One is Connor O'Driscoll, the like South Dublin distiller of Heaven Hill. Um, and uh, and my God, if you ever want to hear an accent that has gone haywire, um, <laughs> take someone from South Dublin and put them in Kentucky for twenty years. Um, I can't. I can, uh, if they were in South, if they're in Kentucky, I might be able to understand them. South Dublin accents are just to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you I'm know. from North Dublin. I can't even understand them. Um, <laughs> but um, the um, anyway, uh, the. Um, I, I, the wheat was an odd one because I found myself looking around. Of course, a lot of bourbon distillation is column distillation. Now it's it's low purity you know, column distillation. Column's not run to what we do with columns. Yeah. Um, but I'd always thought of wheat as being kind of mild mannered, vaguely carbohydrate tasting, but also like nose clotty, kind of soft, you know, whatever, cereally creamy. Um and uh, I was talking to Alan Bishop, who is a darling of the like weird, you know, Alan Bishop is like the Brendan Carty of, you know, Appalachia. Um, oh, God. The, um, oh, God. And, uh, so basically, basically what you're saying is Jen Jesus, because he's, he's all over Belfast handing out Jen to oh, people. Jen, the, I saw that. Did you ever watch Jeeves in Worcester? Did you ever see the one where, yes, where yes. Bertie ends up in all the soup posters? <laughs> craving the bowl of soup. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is Brendan armed. Brendan armed to the teeth. Not, not too far off. Um, <laughs> GM. But um, but anyway, I remember talking about wheat and pot stills and saying, oh, we were getting these flavors. You know, yeah, that's what wheat does in column still bourbon. But in pot distillation, wheat produces a kind of a cream cheese taste. And I thought, you know, that that really rang true with what Michael and I were finding with these, the wheaters, especially the, the pure wheat one tasted, you know, bready. It tasted really savory. It tasted really, you know, again, like cream cheese would be as sweet as it would get kind of thing. And then this one here, because of the 15% oats as well as the wheat, and that's it. It's everything in combination with each other. And so you get that vanilla sugar sweetness. So what you end up is this like, bleeding ground between savory and sweet you get kind of like what i always thought it tasted like was pie crust you know like yeah. it's savory but there's something sweet to keep you back for it you know pie crust banana you know banana cream pie or whatever the hell they call it but you know banoffee um you know these 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 yeah sweet but savory flavors you know where and i think I, the name they weren't on the cards i i gave them nicknames uh when we were left to our own devices but i think the nickname for mash number six was whiskey on scones um, VM, but um, it's kind of like that. I, I, I keep saying to people, I don't have a massively sweet tooth. I just don't particularly like overly sweet stuff. And and people's palates these days have moved to 
everything's a bit sweeter because it's dead yeah. easy. It's dead easy to make things sweet now. It's cheap to, to sweeten things. You just put sugar in it. So people's palates have moved to that sweetness. And I, whenever I get whiskies that are umami and get saline in them and that kind of stuff, yeah. I, I like I like sweet stuff. I'm not saying I don't, but whenever you've got that body and depth and umami flavors and saline, I, that's really where I, I love stuff like that. And that number six just has all of that. It is all of it. And when you age it, you can age it whatever way you liked. That to me, that's that's a sort of Swiss Army knife of, of the whole lot because you can do what yeah, you like with it. On it's strange, and and again, and I, I hear you absolutely. You know, um, one thing that drew me to pot still in the first place was the mustiness, and of course, like as you all know, hunting down that mustiness can become a well in contemporary pot where you find yourself looking for you know the Jemison 15 whatever all these, these particular expressions that might have it more than the rest of them and blah 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 and then you you take like Mashville one there and it has in spades that kind of like old yeah. tennis ball lino smell you know musty cellar all these weird damp dark dingy musty Fur-lined felt tip. Just reminds you of home whenever you were living in the dungeon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, like, yeah, yeah, you know, few living love cassettes. You know, uh, playing for for background music. Um, the um... <laughs> listen, we're ready. We're ready into a double bill show uh, tonight, as it uh, is. Uh, we've gone over the hundred minute mark for the first time ever, and. Uh, 18 months. Uh, so one final brilliant question is that they've heard from a mutual contact that at least five Scottish distilleries are currently distilling old Irish pot still mash bills. Any truth in that? Yeah, I mean, look, I get I get emails all the time from from people in Scotland looking and 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 you know. It, Irish whiskey will drop the ball if it's not. And I've been saying this for years. And a more developed, keener industry will take it and run with it. And, you know, and, and it'll be a shame, you know. And, and I'm so glad to see that the atmosphere is changing, the legislation is changing to equip this, the attitude is changing. Because I think the uh, initial Irish whiskey boom was very reactive to scotch. You know, can we make a quaint single malt in a quaint location and pretend like we're in the Highlands? And if anyone tells us we've been around for two years, not 200, we tell them to shut up. Uh, and, you know, and it doesn't work that way. You know, you can't you can't just like pull Talisker out of thin air. You know, it's, 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 it's not it's not done. And not just that, you know, but there is this unique gastro history and, you know, gastronomic culture to single pot still as a style and to the overlap and to the, the divergences and all this stuff is so much more interesting than just building some sort of like simulacra Scottish Highlands. And again, I think it took, there's a couple of people who've been heroes from day one, you know, Ecklenville, Killowen, you know, and um, but I think everyone's come around and there's people who are just so new that they weren't there for that part of it, but they've started to get their wits about them because what would... Yeah. What I was afraid would happen was that this would be picked up, not even by Scotland, by like global distilling, by Australian distillers, by Israeli distillers, by, you know, wherever the hell they might be, Swedish distillers. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, there is a new global whiskey map as well. And then all this oh, stuff yeah. would be eaten up. And then Ireland would come 
scrambling after the ball 20 years late saying, oh, well, you know, oats is a big part of Irish whiskey history and blah, blah, blah. And, and that's why I, I really set out to write the thesis in the first place was to provide in a non-brand affiliated, non-brand obfuscated open playbook sense. Here's what we did and here's what you can do with it. You know, have at it. Um, and yeah, now five, there's what, it's like 120 distilleries in Scotland. Five distilleries is nothing. And I'll tell you who it is. You know, it's this the tiny guys. Yeah. The Rock Lomans of the world. And, yeah. you know, people who are a bit more agile. Um, and it'll be fun. And, the, and there's, there's nothing wrong with it. There, there is a history of oats and Scotch whiskey too. It's just deeper and further back. Um, <laughs> and the last thing you need, and, and of course, there's a weird history of like imitative Irish pots are being made in Scotland. You know, um, and, and there's also the weird uh, grain Irish being shipped over to Scotland and put. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, of like actual muddling. But even like when Alfred Barnard turned up to, to Cameron Bridge, he's told that they make four products. They make what is it? Malt, silent malt, um, grain whiskey, and pot still Irish. And those are the four products they make. And it's very clearly, okay, malt is Scottish malt whiskey. Silent malt is presumably malt run through a column still. Yeah. Grain whiskey is grain run through a column still. And pot still Irish is mixed grains run through a pot still. And they're selling this stuff as Irish whiskey and they, they, don't, they don't bat an eye, <laughs> you know. Um, so there is, there, is a, there is, you know, history is dirty and strange and, and awkward, um, you know, and, and again. I think if you tried to sell Scottish whiskey, <laughs> Uh, made in Ireland that Nicholas Sturgeon would, would have you in a European business court or something like that in, in Hague? Well, I would stand across from Nicola and say, one of us is an EU citizen. I am being disturbed. Um, unfortunately, the gallow glasses would be coming looking for you. Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're wrong, you. wrong century. You know, they, um, <laughs> they got here earlier. They, you know, um, oh, no. Of course, there is that. There is that possibility, and I think the the tide in Irish. I mean, there's so much exciting and unique and strange stuff inherent in the heritage of Irish distilling itself, and and how much from you know from Bandon to Cumber and back again. How how rich that that history was, and you know what I felt, and the thesis has been going on for three years now, and I've certainly felt a change of mood while it was going on, and especially when we had this project with Boan and the enthusiasm and the love. I mean, nobody was paid. We had twenty six panelists, all you know, creme de la creme industry, all head distillers, blend head blenders. You know, a few, you know, Charlie McLean and Dave Broom, I think, and Martin were the only people who weren't head of production somewhere, you know, and, and they all did it for free, you know. And we had, you know, Dave McCabe out of Middleton in the same room as, well, in not in the same room because he wasn't in the same space, but, you know, as as like Brendan Carty, as, you know, the rest of them, you know, sharing that, that sphere. Yeah. towards something that would benefit all. And yeah, it gave me the tremors to to provide that context. And I, I had to kind of stand sheepishly back. It gave you the tremors. Are you sure you weren't just hung over? <laughs> well, <laughs> the, I, I was fairly, I was, look, I, 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 I lost my rucksack in Belfast the night beforehand. So I woke up, I left at the pub 
and woke up the day of realizing I'd lost it. And Brendan, who had lost his wedding ring, uh, went round to the same pub looking for it. And I remember thinking like, well, it's easier to explain me losing my rucksack than it is Brendan explain why he didn't have his wedding ring on. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm doing just fine. Um, but there's a certain anxiety just before the day. Thankfully, it was found. Um, it's Belfast. It's Belfast. These things are always found in Belfast. If, oh, yeah. if, it's, if, it's, if it's of importance, it's fine. If it's not yeah. of importance, it's so. <laughs> okay, that's, that's why things work in Belfast. Listen, in, in Listen. 10 minutes' time, it's going to be Sunday, and we'll probably have to get permission from Ofcom, as we're probably going to turn into a religious broadcast about whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that I'm a guru, my God, you know. Brothers, <laughs> we are not death. I reckon. I reckon. When's the next census? When's the next census? Right your inebriation, brothers, there is a new life. <laughs> and outside there, they tell you, be sober. I tell you, they have not yet understood what I, you know, you know, I can't. I think we could start and get dungeons and all franchised, yeah, yeah. You know, do them in the back of McDonald's. I think we're on it. I'm here instead of top everything else. Listen, Michael, for no one, honestly, I could talk to you. It's like being in a pub. I could talk to you forever. Uh, guys, thanks very much for coming on and telling us everything. And more part of your week, Wade, keep up the good work. Michael, in a few years' time, don't worry about having to buy a house. You'll sell those casks and, and the houses. You'll have a fleet of houses and, and cars to take you to and from them. Well, well, whatever about any of that, I hope, I hope that there's a whole lot of, uh, there's a whole lot of this, this being made by a whole lot of the people that I, I would like to, if, if it's only the final note, I say to thank every, everyone in the broader industry that was so supportive. Um, like COVID made an absolute mess of trying to get together the tasting and all of this and, and genuinely, yeah. um, Bar that for for the absolute majority, but everyone couldn't have made more of an effort to to attend. Um, it was it was brilliant to see such support and that uh, that everyone uh, that they played the part and beyond obviously. we played our part, but the broader industry was very supportive as well. Uh, and yeah. and then you had um, I won't even start naming names. They know who they are. Like it's a very important part, a very important thing that happened. I was only a bit part. Uh, uh, don't underplay guys. yourself. Don't underplay yourself. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone, though, genuinely, that that no. made part, and hopefully that was worthwhile. Because hopefully, whatever about the Scottish getting involved, I hope that uh, a lot of Irish distilleries will take this on board and and push forward. Because I'm sure that it'll produce absolutely fantastic product at the far end of it. Uh, yeah, and th yeah, and, and thank you guys for, for for giving us the opportunity to talk about it again. Yeah, yeah there, there was an enormous, again, COVID was brought up. There was an enormous sense of, especially when we were up in Belfast, you know, like during the intermission, we had to go fetch. We couldn't find out where Graham Miller, Aaron Flaherty and David Boyd Armstrong had disappeared to. And we had to like, re you know, retract the County Down Mafia, you know, Eccleville, Redamon and, um, and who, who did I miss there? Sure. And, and, hmm? Cologne, is it? No, Ecklenville Hinch. and Hinch, uh, out of out of the Crown Saloon across the way from from Europa, where we were doing the thing, uh, because they hadn't seen each other in so long. They'd all gone for a pint in the middle, you know. And there was this uh, you know, reaching for for camaraderie ship as well at the same time. And it was you know, and yeah. they came like sheepishly through the door of the hotel, and we had to like go fetch people to to bring them back. Um, but there was that 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 sense of. 
again reconnection of of we're all in it together you know yeah. great you know and, and and again i was i was enormously humbled by how quick the responses were for people wanting to come on board and then how how the events went and and how reactive people were to them and how people got in touch with me afterwards saying well here at x distillery we're really interested in such and such and it, it is so much more energetic than you know it was when i started the thesis you know and i'm not i'm not i'm not arrogant enough to think that it was me that did this but the mood has changed and i'm, I'm the humble recipient of witnessing that change and doing the best i can to offer up facilitant tools to allow people and and then that's not to say like people can do what hasn't ever been done ever but at least to it, it allow some sort of glimpse into the logic of the past you know yeah. if that's well, me done all, you know? all i'll say is at the start of this project you started as a student you then moved on to being a distiller to being a tv star and elevate it to a religious cult figure now so that's a that's a, a perfectly good career progression i think yeah, well, again, it stands. I didn't quite hit guru level because, you know, like they didn't all like do the tasting and like fall over Jonestown style. But um, <laughs> you know. get the fun out. Get the fun out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, guys, like, we're going to have to cut this at night. Uh, it's been wow. brilliant. Um, more party. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon, okay? My eyes beheld an eerie sight, for my monster from his slab began to rise. And suddenly, to my surprise, he did the mash. He did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. It got on and flashed. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. From my laboratory in the castle east to the master bedroom. Vampire's feast. The ghouls all came from their humble abode to get a jolt from my electrode. They did the mash. They did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. They did the mash. It got on in a flash. They did the mash. They did the monster mash. The zombies were having fun. The party had just begun. The guests. And his son. The scene was rocky, all were digging the sounds. Igor on chains, backed by his baying hounds. The coffin bangers were about to arrive with their vocal group, the Crypt Kicker Five. They played the mash. They played the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. They played the mash. It got on in a flash. They played the mash. They played the monster mash. Out from his coffin, Rack's voice did ring. Seems he was troubled by just one thing. Opened the lid and shook his fist and said, Whatever happened to my Transylvania quiz? It's now the mash. It's now the monster mash. The monster mash. And it's a graveyard smash. It's now the mash. It's caught on in a flash. It's now the mash. 
It's now the Monster Mash. Now everything's cool, Rack's a part of the band. And my Monster Mash is the hit of the land. For you, the living, this mash was meant to. When you get to my door, tell them what is said. Then you can mash. Then you can Monster Mash. The Monster Mash. And you, my graveyard smash. Then you can mash. You'll catch on in a while. Then you can mash. Then you can Monster Mash. Monster Mash, come on! Monster Mash, come on!